What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast, and I know you do, you can go ahead and click subscribe on iTunes and click write a review. Give the podcast five stars. You say a few nice words, and uh, that will really help propel the podcast in the tops of those iTunes charts and we'll give it more visibility on the national and international levels. And uh, it's just a killer way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing and getting more exposure for the folks that come on the show. So if you got an extra couple minutes, uh, appreciate the hell out of you for uh, for doing so and uh, appreciate the folks that have already taken the time to do so. And uh, very appreciative just for you uh, tuning in to check out what this podcast is all about. And uh, this week we got another killer episode, episode 192. Holly Ann is on the show, killer singer, songwriter, and uh, stoked to share the conversation and some tunes that we feature off her new record, which is available now. We'll get into that shortly. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances live show performances. There's a a short documentary on a band called Tribe Mars from here in Portland, Oregon, which is up there as well. All kinds of genres of music covered on the YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. There's still some gold Casio videos to be released. And I know I've been talking about that probably for the last, I don't know, year or so, but, uh, they're, they're in the mix. They're in the mix, just waiting for some, uh, some executive decisions to be made about the uh, the final cuts on these uh, particular videos. So stay tuned for those to hit the feed eventually. You can also check out dancablepresents.com. That is the central location for everything. And the new episode pops up there every Friday as soon as it is available. But if you just click subscribe wherever you're listening to, then the new episode will pop up into your feed as soon as it's available too. And then you don't have to go searching for the damn thing every every goddamn week sorry i don't know i don't know thing things it's weird things are weird <laughs> it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy time uh for me with my my 9 to 5 grind right now the holidays are insane but uh you know keeping afloat keeping afloat and uh keeping these episodes rolling speaking of the holidays on december 27th at the alberta street pub the fourth annual oh got a little i think we're we're just really maxing out right here um the fourth annual sorry about that just really getting into the microphone today uh the fourth annual dan cable presents holidays party is going on at uh the alberta street pub december 27th and uh i've got a cool lineup it's real spread out genre wise this year which is cool because i think that represents the podcast well um and cult crimes will be opening the show 
hoping to get London on in the next couple of weeks uh, before that goes down. So we'll see what's good with that. But um, Colt Crimes opening the show. It, it'll be a cool electronic set uh, with live drums, I believe, and a bunch of crazy looping going on. London is wild. And I'm really stoked to see that. That's going to be his first show as well as Colt Crimes. So that's that's rad. And then Stress. Stress the Hip Hop Collective featuring Harvey Bird and uh, Matt Randall and Sir Nye. Um, all those dudes have been on the podcast individually in the past, and they put together this uh, this new project called Stress PDX. Well, I guess it's just Stress. Stress PDX is their, their Instagram handle and how I identify everyone in the world now. So that's wonderful. Um, but Stress, they're going to be there. That's going to be really dope. So some live instrumentation, hip hop going on and uh, closing out the night to make it a real dance party. It's the super secret band. Um, also past guests of the show and this band rips live and I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to have them closing out the night, the fourth annual holidays party. And um, yeah, those dudes rip and they're also really good just really good dudes. So, um, I'm really stoked to have them there. I, uh, I think I might do some DJing in between sets during, uh, during those set breaks. So that might happen as well. A little Ernie Moose Johnson appearance there at the holidays party this year of, uh, 2019 closing, closing out 2019 with the fourth annual holidays party. Um, so that's that date. And then, uh, December 18th, I'm doing an Ernie Moose Johnson DJ set over at church. So I'll be spinning a bunch of hip hop rap R and B some funk in there. Throw a little funk in there when the, when the, the night gets late, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to happen over there at church bar on uh, December 18th, but I will be there from, uh, from 9 PM till about the, the closing time of that bar. So, so come through. I like that spot. And, uh, I appreciate them uh, continuing to have me back over there. And um, you can follow me on Instagram at Dan Campbell Presents if you want to um, see other other things I'm getting myself into or uh, just some music I'm listening to or local shows that I'm trying to bring attention to or some random hockey clips. Love some hockey. Um, thinking about bringing back the Between the Pipes hockey podcast. Maybe, we'll see, maybe 2020, the return of Between the Pipes. Who knows? Who knows what the holiday season will bring? But you just remember, everybody, that it is about the folks that are close to your heart and that you get to spend that time with and, and not about the gifts. So don't stress out about getting the right gift this year, okay? But if you want to give me a gift, you can just go ahead and... Uh, and leave that iTunes review. It's free to do it. This is a free show. And uh, man, just can't can't uh, stress the importance of those iTunes reviews and, and how important they are to uh, getting some more ears on this thing and, and helping it grow. And uh, the sustainability of keeping it going. And we're going to keep it going right now with uh, episode 192. And uh, it was rad to get to hang out with Holly for a bit, get to know her and where her tunes come from. 
She is uh, super rad, and her album release show at Mississippi Studios was really amazing. And I told her during this conversation that her EP that she released just a, a month or so ago was uh, one of my favorite singer-songwriter records that has come out this year for sure, if not the one. It's it's uh, it's just a killer collection of tunes, and it's called After All of This Time, and it is available everywhere on the streaming services. So, uh, you know, check it out if you if you dig the tunes that you hear here, hear here. I don't even know if that's real. I don't know if you can say that, but if you like what you hear on this episode, you should definitely check out the other jams on the record. It's a, it's a six-song EP, and uh, they are all bangers. They can all stand alone um, as, uh, as cool singles, I think, for sure. And um, just really enjoy her songwriting so much and um the lyrics are killer they seem to have a lot of humility in them and uh just really digging on this so um stoked to have the opportunity to to feature this woman this week on the the old podcast after our chat um our recorded chat holly and i had we geeked out uh, more about some some hardcore and, and some emo music and it was it was really rad um yeah tooth and nail records and and face down get brought up on uh this episode by holly and those were uh some things that i grew up with too so it was fun to chat with her more about that after and uh diving into some spirituality stuff as well so it was uh very cool and I'm stoked to share this episode with everybody. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, you know, try to keep you cool during this uh, this holiday madness. And uh, be good to people out there. Don't forget that Dan Cable Presents fourth annual holidays party going down December 27th at Alberta Street Pub. I'm at Church Bar December 18th DJing it up. And uh, we're going to get into episode 192 right now. Holly Ann is on the show. I will put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along with Holly if you dig what you hear. Give her a follow. Kicking it off with a jam off her new EP called After All This Time, and the song is called Say So. Let's do the damn thing.
ready to do this thing? Let's rock and roll. Yeah, jump into this thing, Holly. <laughs> um, stoked to sit down and talk to you about your music. Um, I saw you play. I don't know. That was like maybe like six to eight months ago. I saw you play at the library, maybe. Right. Yes. For a show that Isabel had put together, mm-hmm. and uh, I caught your tunes that night, and you played solo piano for the most part and you you, you busted out a guitar that night I which was did. maybe like your first time playing in front of people absolutely my first time and i have not done it since then Obviously, okay <laughs> cool um but then you put out this record recently this this new ep after mm-hmm. all this time yeah and i saw your release show at mississippi studios a few weeks ago and i'm mm-hmm. super glad that i went because it was a killer show thanks for coming yeah and your band that night was so amazing. They're and rad. The tunes are super good. Thank you. So I'm stoked to uh, chat it up with you about where all this stuff comes from and yeah. uh, how you got into music. And uh, But one of the things I noticed uh, at the Mississippi Studio show that I thought was very cool was uh, at a certain point you did a more stripped down uh, part of the set where most mm-hmm. of your band bailed from the stage and um they all were incredibly attentive to Aww. what was happening through that time <laughs> and all just cool. kind of like filed into the <laughs> like as audience members right away and i i took notice of that because wow. I, I saw all of them in different parts of the venue just very like locked into what was happening and i think that's probably pretty telling of how they feel about like getting to play m- music with you and play your tunes that's really cool i actually didn't know that it's, you know, the well, light's you, hard to see. Yeah, <laughs> you were doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought that was that was a, a very cool thing to, to witness. So That's sweet. Um, and you seem pretty comfortable up there uh, doing your thing. <laughs> I know I, I, we, we were, well, we were just talking before we got on the mics about like maybe your in-between song banter is not like <laughs> probably your favorite part of, of doing the thing. No, definitely not. <laughs> you just kind of prefer to like go up there and play the songs. Yeah, for sure. Well, I got my start in music and musical theater. And so my, you know, my initial experience with singing in front of people was you have all of your lines that you do and you do your song and there's not really any like it's not an inauthentic like interaction, but you're not actually saying unscripted things so that part has um you know come a little later my development in that (laughs) there's not uh there's not time for commentary about what you are doing Mm -mm. (laughs) in that uh in that medium definitely not (laughs) um would you say off like off the stage you are also like a pretty low-key quiet person yeah definitely i've um I would definitely categorize myself as an introvert. I do like people (laughs) (laughs) and I enjoy conversation and being around crowds, but um, definitely not looking to be the center of attention, which I think is where some of that uncomfortability comes from when you're up there talking and everyone's staring at you. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, I just want to play these songs (laughs) that I wrote. Um, Do you think that's why um, songwriting is important and having that ex- hmm. that um that way to express yourself because you are kind of a quieter more introverted person yes for sure i'm very much a slow processor and 
am not one to like openly share my opinions on the spot. So I think that's where music comes in as a sort of, it's not only like a coping mechanism and some of the like more intense lyrical content, but it's, um, yeah, it's also just, I get to sit down on my own terms and write about things that I've been thinking about that I wouldn't necessarily just blurt out. <laughs> yeah, I think you, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, it's nice when you have that time to reflect on things or have the time to like process it in that way. You, For sure. It doesn't just have to be all of your uh, first instincts and emotions being blurted out in that. <laughs> so true. Uh, um, have you always been pretty comfortable in sharing your emotions through songwriting? Yeah, I f surprisingly, I feel like it, I don't know, it feels inconsistent with, like, I'm not super open emotionally in general, but it's just kind of from day one, the stuff that I started writing was like, oh, that's how I feel. All right. And I just kind of stayed in that vein. So I guess, I guess I am comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, that seems to be like pretty common amongst a lot of s songwriters where totally. they're just like, for some reason, very willing to uh, be upfront about things through their music and, and get on stage and, and sing about them, even though they're not the most open people conversationally sometimes or like willing to open up about their emotions. Yeah, I think there's something about when you're writing music and when you're performing it, it becomes more about, in the process of writing, it's about you and it's about your reaction, your emotions, what you're feeling. But then when you get to the performance aspect of it or the recording part of it, it becomes more about um, being a vessel for other people to hear through your music and through your lyrics, maybe um, an emotion or a feeling or a situation sort of explained in a way that they didn't have words for. So I think that that for me has felt like where it becomes more comfortable in a sense, because even though there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with writing, um, I'm thinking more about other people's reaction and their ability to take it on than I am thinking about them like staring at me like, oh, I wonder what that's about. Yeah. Um, are those the, the types of songwriters and artists that have also like kind of grabbed you and informed your songwriting in some way? Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think I've always been drawn Lyrics have always been important to me in terms of music. And I think that there's a variety of ways and a variety of different types of songwriting where people have spoken to me. But in general, when I can listen to something and be like, like, okay, they meant that, <laughs> then I'm drawn to it. So I guess that's kind of what I've, I'm not necessarily trying to emulate that, but when you listen to enough like that, then you realize that it just kind of becomes part of how you also process writing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely feels, especially with, the, this particular batch of tunes it does feel like very confessional. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you always usually writing from your perspective rather than someone else's or writing from a character's point of view? Hmm. And uh, Yeah, it's kind of a mix, I think, because some songs can have, they're very situational. And um, I mean, like there's a part in Dreamers that, on the newer EP that like will describe like walking somewhere. So that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, this is a thing that happened, but then you can get into, you know, songs like I shall not be moved, which 
it's more about a f- kind of feeling and there's a bunch of different situations that I sort of compiled into it. So I guess there's some character aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I guess it kind of depends. But again, I just, I think lyrics, I'm never just like throwing something together that kind of sounds good. Like there's always some depth of thought for me and what I want to, I don't know, communicate. Yeah. Are you somebody that has a crazy amount of like note memos in your phone with (laughs) just like one liners or is it a lot of times where you're kind of sitting down and writing full songs? I've become more of a memo taker (laughs) as of late. I think when I started writing music, it just was, it was a matter of sitting down at the piano, kind of writing a melody first and then being drawn into whatever a mood that put me in. Um, I have been writing poetry for a long time. So um, a lot of times that doesn't mix for me, like just from writing a poem doesn't necessarily mean it will become lyrics, but um, that's kind of put me as I write more and more, put me in the vein of like, okay, taking memos and little pieces of, of stuff. But generally, yeah, I'll think about things that I want to write about, memo it, do whatever, and then it's really whatever melodic um little piece that i come up with on the piano or chord structure on the guitar that will kind of lead me or lend itself towards something that i've written previously and then i kind of expand on the idea that way did the poetry come before the songwriting um i think songwriting came first i started songwriting when i was 12 so it came really early so somewhat simultaneous i have some i have a lot of poetry books from like some real good emo stuff from seventh yeah. and eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just you just have some <laughs> notebooks that, that go back pretty far. Yes. And that was I mean, my preteen and teenage years were late nineties, early two thousands, which was like the pinnacle of, you know, tooth and nail emo yeah. like bands. So uh, I really got into it, you know? I know about <laughs> I know about that tooth and nail <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Under Oath is one of my favorite bands, and they're a big tooth and nail uh, band. Yes. But um, <laughs> did did you kind of gravitate towards the songwriting right away? As far as like once you got on the on the piano, was it more about the songwriting rather than learning a bunch of covers right away? Mm. Yeah. Well, I started taking piano when I was. I don't remember five or six, but around that age. And then I started doing musical theater when I was six, turning seven. So I got like super immersed in music at a really young age. Um, And so with that in mind, starting to write in seventh grade, like it did come kind of quite a bit later, but playing piano and being classically trained, there definitely came a point when I first started writing music, like at that 12, 13 years of age stage where it became more important for me to start learning chords and learning theory and wanting to play my own stuff than I was necessarily like um, inspired to be continuing like classical education. Um, So yeah, I guess, yeah, in that context, it did become much more about the songwriting than it did like my skill level. (laughs) Do you feel like the musical theater stuff bled into your, your songwriting? at all early on yeah I think so (laughs) there's a lot of stuff probably on my early so I I have three records out there's actually um kind of an album before that for my eighth grade graduation my parents 
took me to, I don't even know where it was, but it was a studio in Happy Valley. And as a graduation gift, I got a whole day in a studio and recorded 10 original songs. And that's some musical theater gold. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, are, you, is, are you far enough like removed from that where you can like listen to it and just laugh about it? Or is it like Definitely. really hard for you to listen to it? No, I don't think it's hard. I think it's it's pretty funny. And now as a like as a piano and voice teacher and doing some composition with younger students, it's really cool to listen back to that stuff and be like, oh, this is like I was their age. This is what I was influenced by, like kind of reconnecting with it in yeah. that way is cool. But it's it's mostly just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then was it the Ravens record that you made after that? Then? Yep, it was. Yeah. Um. So you've been writing tunes for a long time. A long time, like, yeah. Ravens came out in 2010. So, so coming up on 10 years this yeah. year, that's wild. And if you, you know, you made that eighth grade record too. <laughs> yep. So you've really uh, stuck with this thing. <laughs> yeah, been around. Was there was there a certain time or moment that you can remember where you knew that you were going to keep doing this and how important it was to mm. your life? Um, I mean, in terms of knowing that it was important in my life from the very beginning, uh, getting into musical theater, it was the local high school that I went to did the musical Annie and I was just so obsessed with those songs and watching the movie that I like begged my parents to audition. So definitely been marked with it from the beginning in terms of like wanting to pursue it as more than just a like hobby I think a lot of that decision making happened like later in high school when I was starting to like write more seriously, playing shows. My first like real show in the Portland area was at the Loveland, um, I think my freshman year of high school. So even that early, like I was like, okay, I want to like, I want to be in the scene. I want to be doing this. Um, And then like senior year when it came time to sort of decide, am I going to go to college like what am I going to do I decided to go and record a record and so that was kind of the mark of like the first time making a decision that was specifically for continuing being a musician versus other things but I've kind of always struggled with it like I'm always doing something else and I'm always putting more energy into that than doing like writing music and being a singer songwriter so I've never really broken out as like just doing that right um did you, were you playing a lot of solo shows though as soon as like around the time that you put the Ravens record out? Were you playing a lot? Um, not really. So uh, I recorded that album in Lakeland. Speaking of tooth and nail, Aaron Marsh was the producer of that from Copeland. Oh, crazy. Um, <laughs> so I recorded there. I was 19 when I recorded it. I was 20 when it came out. I had just gotten out of high school and I didn't really have a music community here. And so it was kind of a depressing time because leaving town for several months, coming back, trying to find places to play shows, not being 21. So there was, you know, I couldn't fully fit into a scene. And then the scene that I was part of was again, like that, like heavy, like tooth and nail, or just like, I mean, like face down and like, (laughs) you know, you know, like I was totally Uh, a fan of Endrose. So there was no correlation. So like what you were doing. Yeah. And like who I knew, Uh, my boyfriend at the time, you know, and now husband was in a, in a heavy band and that was, yeah, that was kind of my world. So I didn't play a lot of shows. I didn't know what to do. And then I went on a hiatus for a long time <laughs> after that because I didn't know how to make it happen. Um, 
that's wild. <laughs> that's um, that's very funny that like that was your like all the, the music community around you. Yeah. Uh, how how did you link up with Aaron from Copeland? Yeah, um, I was just a fan, and that was I was young enough at that point, and I guess like naive enough about how the music industry worked that I just thought, okay, let me just like find some of my favorite artists who are doing like production stuff and just email them. <laughs> so I had these like crazy garage band, like horrible, like verbed out demos and like, I mean the equivalent of voice memos. This was, you know, I think I probably had a flip phone at the time. A um, razor. <laughs> probably. Yes. Pink. Most likely. Um, so I just emailed him with a couple random tracks and somehow he said, sure, let's do a record. That's so rad. <laughs> and then I moved to Lakeland, Florida <laughs> for several months oh and just worked full time on an album. With that's Aaron. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's super killer. <laughs> um, and you mentioned that you, uh, you know, you haven't really played guitar in front of people mm -hmm. since uh, since that, that <laughs> first time. But yeah. is it something that you use as a writing tool? Yeah, it has been now. Uh, guitar, I've tried to pick up usually for the last maybe five years. Every summer there gets a point where I'm like, hmm, let me try guitar. And then I go through the three or four chords that I uh, know already and then am instantly frustrated. It's difficult to go to a second instrument when you're so comfortable on one. Um, but finally this last year I kind of had some breakthroughs <laughs> and started being able to put things together and play a little bit more. And, um, my husband's a guitar player, so that sometimes was helpful, sometimes not helpful <laughs> to have him around. Um, and then, yeah, I started writing, started writing a lot more and using it as a tool for writing. I think three of the six songs on the EP, I started with writing guitar. Very cool. Yeah. Is it, is that a pretty refreshing to you to have that? A part of your your writing process and have something else to uh, expand upon yeah definitely I think that that's like one of the hardest parts about writing for a long period of time is you sit down at the piano and you're like okay well I've used every chord combination that exists so to be able to sit at a new instrument and like have some ability to kind of put sounds and chords together that are feel brand new and it feels exciting again it kind of like Picking up the guitar this last summer like reminded me of how it felt when I first started writing music, where everything was just like, oh, I can put this together, I can <laughs> put this together. So yeah, it was, it's really invigorating. That's so rad, and uh, I'm a big fan of of this whole EP. All the tunes uh -huh. are so rad, Thanks. and um, I think that your vocal dynamic is uh, quite good, and I think that's a big part of like what I meant earlier as far as you being like looking really comfortable in what you're doing. It just uh it just seems like you nail it like the whole uh -huh. time and and whether you're in your your full voice or the whispering moments it, it's uh it's just super great and uh Thank your you. your touch on the keys is quite terrific. So Thank you. I was just way into it and the the first song that you uh heard that is on that EP is I shall not be moved and uh you put that out maybe like a week or so before your actual release show, the the record. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had a chance to listen to it a lot before I saw you play that night. And that being the first song on the record, I was definitely like pretty blown away right away. And uh, I knew that I would be listening to to the rest of it in in full for sure. So um, this is that jam. This is I Shall Not Be Moved. Fell in love with a music man, took my heart into his hands, wrote a song to about the feeling. Wrote you letters when you were away, skipping town to see you play. All my cards were always on the table. I'm the one who stays when all the doors say close. Lights are going down, everybody knows who I'm looking for.
All right, so how long have uh, these tunes been around, the ones that are on the new record? They're all relatively new. Um, I think, okay, let's go through. I, I mean, the oldest that any of the songs on the EP would be would be like I, maybe a year, maybe a little more than a year old from when I recorded them. So that's pretty fresh for me. Yeah, and did you self-produce all these songs? Um, I I self-produced alongside my friend Evan Way, who helped, who co-produced as well the last record. Um, and Evan and I were co-workers. We've done a lot of music stuff together. So there was um, just good friendship that and communication that it, it's nice to have. He has a lot more experience than I do in terms of playing other instruments and just the communication with other um, artists and kind of conceptualizing like the full band since I'm writing predominantly on just piano or guitar. Um, so that was really helpful. Yeah, is it very easy for you to open up to other people's ideas with your songs? Uh, this has been the easiest, been easiest it has been so far. I think you learn so much every time you record. So having this be like my third time going at it. In general... It's not. It does not feel super easy. Um, I'm a very people pleasing personality, um, and also a young woman. So I think that there's a lot of dynamics, whether they're uh, intentional or, or not, <laughs> in terms of being in a studio where it's just easy to have, even when it's your own music, to have your voice sort of dampened <laughs> somehow. Yeah. Um, but I've gotten a lot better over the years at kind of sticking up for what I want and feeling not just sticking up for it, but I think it's, it comes from like having a confidence that what you want is actually best for the song. Um, and not kind of defaulting to assuming that the people that are working alongside you have more experience and a better vision or taste and just know better in general. Yeah. <laughs> but also being able to like trust their ears as well in yeah. certain situations. Definitely. Yeah. So achieving that that balance yes of not losing what you want from the tunes and whatnot yeah definitely um were most of the people that played for the release show on the record mm -hmm. yeah um everybody was yeah so that was really cool to have and um jake who played electric guitar jake smith he um played on my last record as well um he was the only one from the last record. But in general, when I get to play full band shows, I've been playing with a lot of those 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 guys. And, and Chelsea generally um, sings with me for even the like more acoustic shows that I do. She wasn't at that show at the library, but most she comes and sings with me, which is really awesome. Yeah, the backup vocals mm -hmm. are banging and a very yeah. cool thing to have. Yes. Um, and did most of the record get... Like as far as the band stuff, did a lot of it get taken live? Yeah, so we did, I think, two rehearsals before we recorded everything. And then we did it at Bungalow 9 with Danny O'Hanlon, um, who also did my last record, Light and Bloom. Um, and so it was pretty awesome. Like with Say So, we recorded live where I was in a room um, with the piano and a mic, an isolated room, and then in like the main like kind of sitting area section um alex was in there playing bass and then jake was set up and then um 
or I think Alex was kind of like in the stairwell and then you go upstairs in the venue and uh, Zach was up there on drums. <laughs> so we were just like fully spread out everywhere. And then we did overdub the acoustic guitar because it just was not the room yeah. <laughs> to do everything. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool to play most of that live. That's right. Yeah. Um, it definitely has a lot of cool feel to it, the record. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I would say it's definitely like, as far as singer-songwriter type stuff, it's definitely one of my favorite things that came out this year. Like the tune, wow. yeah, the Yay. tunes are so good. Thank you yeah, so I'm, much. Yeah, I'm just like way into it. And was it important for you to uh, to have a jam on the record that was stripped down and just the piano and you? Yeah, um, it's hard with six songs. I feel like for having only six songs, I feel really proud of the contrast and everything and how dynamic the EP ended up and so I think that I I love albums and a lot of why we did an EP was kind of because of just cost and so it was important to me to still even with six songs be able to kind of like tell a story and not just have six singles that are kind of put together so in that respect it's really nice to have um you know the full band kind of more upbeat stuff and then be able to have like some breaths with I want to go somewhere else and dreamers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely some dynamic. It's, it's, uh, there's some, some dark moments with like <laughs> a song like dreamers yeah. on there, which I really appreciate. Do you feel like this batch of tunes is, um, the most personal batch of tunes that you've written? For sure. For sure. They are. And the most like, it's the most comfortable, even having, I've written sad songs pretty much my entire musical career, but there's such a um, vast array of ways that you can do that. And I think that, um, I don't know, as you get older, it becomes, the experience of writing, It there's just more personal experience to sort of incorporate in. It's not trying to emulate somebody else's emotional feelings and be like, I can be sad too. And like, here's me doing that. But it really does become about like incorporating like what you've experienced in life. So I feel proud of being able to have written, I don't know. Yeah. Some of the most kind of vulnerable content, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, 10 plus years into doing this i would mm -hmm. imagine that you feel like you're really tapping into what your voice is and and still having letting your influences you know creep in there but but not really emulating anything but what you're doing i guess yeah for sure i think that's totally right just becoming more comfortable with my own voice and not walking into a writing session or moment with like a strong sense of like oh this is the song that I want to kind of like be influenced by today or this is the sound but being willing to just see what comes out um and I think I've always been able to do that to some extent um but yeah this this round I think I just I had less reservations with just kind of allowing myself to write whatever I was feeling even if it felt scary and dark <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um how uh, like what role does theology and spirituality play into your your songwriting these days because i know like light mm -hmm. and bloom is yeah on a christian label and mm -hmm. talking about like tooth and nail and face down like yeah. i know that's all 
Christian label stuff. Yes. So like, how does what role does that play in your songwriting these days? So even before getting into like Tooth and Nail and um, starting to write for Deeper Well and my involvement with with Door of Hope and playing and writing worship music, I was listening to, you know, Emmylou Harris and Bob Dylan and a lot of artists where there was just it was a seamlessness with um, sort of talking about their, you know, spiritual lives and even incorporating like old gospel standards um, into the way that they were writing. So that's something that I've always felt comfortable with. Um, it's not something that I have necessarily gravitated towards um, writing for the most part. With Light and Bloom, it was really specific and the point was for it to come out on Deeper Well. And so that felt like a really unique exercise to um, to write explicitly about my experience um, as a Christian, my experience with faith and spiritual elements of life. So in general, um, it does play a part in how I write because it's who I am. But um, I'm like, after all this time, definitely gravitates more towards um, just personal relational areas of life and um, less broad scope, spiritual and theology and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I would imagine that like if you were going to do something else on like deeper well or something do you think that that you would feel kind of that pressure in some way to like create content that is in that realm kind of like you did with light and bloom not that you felt that making light and bloom sure. but like if for future projects if you yeah. were going to do that it's just a different space for me you know like i think everybody has a bent to how they write and there's plenty of people that are like heavily influenced in their life spiritually and that's just not how they write you know and i would kind of consider myself in that vein but that being said being a musician and being a songwriter like i can tap into that and i do enjoy it um and so i'm grateful for getting to partner with deeper well and um i have another um, duet record coming out with a writer Josh White in early 2020 um, and most of it he wrote there's two songs that I wrote on there and again that's kind of just uh, um, just an indicator of how it's it's not really how I what my bent is in writing <laughs> for sure yeah oh, that's I think that's rad that you can tap into different things and even listening to the Light and Bloom stuff I think I don't know I don't I think if I listen to that record and don't like know that it's a Christian record, quote unquote, then I probably don't even recognize that so much. Sure. You know, like I think that it's just like you writing getting like super rad songs still. <laughs> and even I don't know, you you play or played in your set like a song from your from your Ravens record mm -hmm, I at did. Mississippi Studios <laughs> was that the Red Room? Yeah, Red. Red. It's called yeah. Sorry, <laughs> the Red Room. I went room. back. I went back though. I listened. To, I listened to some tunes on that first record. And I think that you can tell from like the beginning that your songwriting instincts were super solid. And, Thanks. Um, do you like getting to throw in some of those old songs into the a set like that sometimes and see like how they can evolve with a different band and where you're at now? Um. Yeah, I do. I mean, 
some of the lyrics I feel like of that songs like going through, I'm like, Oh, that's a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) But in terms of like, I, I mean, that was one of the best experiences of my life recording Ravens, having that be my first like legitimate experience in a tour or not in a tour in a studio and having, um, the support of somebody like Aaron Marsh producing the record, caring so much about, um, my personal tastes and thoughts and really like, um, I don't know, just like encouraging me and teaching me along the way. There's so many positive memories. And that was, you know, my first mark and as like a musician. So it's fun to get to play those songs and have all those memories come up. And then, yeah, again, like the that song sounds so cool, like live with the band. And I didn't really get that opportunity initially when the album came out. I played a CD release, but that was kind of it in terms of getting to play with a band. So it feels like those songs in a way have like another life now, which is sweet. Yeah, that's rad. Does that encourage you at all to want to see what some of those other songs sound like with a, a full band? I, yeah, I have played, let's see, I've played red. I've played a couple others. I, I throw in a couple, like, especially when I'm doing solo sets. Um, so I guess it's not really hearing what it sounds like with a band, but I would, yeah, there's a couple other songs on that record that I think I could see myself throwing into a set for sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, how long ago did you start doing some, some music teaching? Yeah. Um, I started teaching, um, in 2013, um, when I was at PSU for a vocal performance degree, um, but then I, I, it was kind of short-lived. I did it for about a year, and then it just wasn't really... There are multiple multitude of reasons why it didn't work out. And so now I'm at Vesper School of Music, which is awesome, um, and I'm in school again, so it's kind of funny how those have come together. But um, I started here just May of this year, so that's been really cool to come back to teaching, and I think I have uh, just over 20 students right now. Yeah. Um. What has uh, teaching music taught you about music? Oh, good question. Uh, I think that one of the best parts about teaching, I don't know if it's necessarily what it's taught me, but um, being around young students as they discover the joy of music, as they play something well for the first time, or as they start experimenting with putting chords together, um, those moments are really, really life-giving to get to be part of. Um, And I guess in terms of what they teach me, it's just a reminder of that music is what I want to do and it's fun and it's life-giving and there are so many ways that that can get taken away from you when you're (laughs) like, I'm, you know, I, I don't have a huge fan base and there are a lot of things that I wish I could do and accomplish as a musician that just haven't been in the cards for me and it's easy to let that overshadow the just kind of pure joy of playing music. So I'm glad to be part of that with other people. Absolutely. Do you often um, go home like from, from here inspired to, to play yourself after seeing the kids do it and having those revelations? Yeah. Usually I'm so tired from a day of teaching that it's not right away. (laughs) (laughs) Just get home and veg out and watch a basketball game. But, uh, in general, yes, it is inspiring and it does make me want to go back and, yeah, and, and write. Do you find yourself having to tap into like a lot of different avenues of teaching different kids and how it sticks with them? Oh, yeah, for sure. That's the majority of um, 
yeah, uh, the kind of more difficult pieces of teaching is every student is so different. But that's also one of the best challenges is to be describing, you know, you can be teaching the same lesson to five, six students in one day that are all kind of at similar levels and um, just seeing how it reaches each of them differently and like coming up with different ways to um, to teach it. That is challenging and rewarding for sure. <laughs> Um, well, I appreciate your tunes very much. I've definitely been like geeking out on this record heavy since you put it out. And I'm very stoked to uh, see what music you continue to, to pump out. Thank you. Um, Me too. <laughs> are you someone that kind of forces yourself to write every day in some capacity? Or, or do you very much just do it when you're feeling inspired to do so? I probably should force myself to do it more. <laughs> I'm definitely more on the uh, let inspiration lead side of things. And I'm just so busy. I'm so busy these days that it kind of just has to be that way. Um, yeah. So definitely not an everyday or playing music every day in some capacity, but not writing. I yeah. wouldn't say every day. Is there, uh, are there already tunes cooking up to follow, follow these ones up? Yeah. You know, I have... I have a couple that didn't make the EP that I'd like to be revisiting and kind of reworking and then, yeah, working through a couple new ones. I'm actually, Nathan and I, Nathan's my husband, we've started working on um, some kind of shoegazy rock stuff together. Oh, so nice. that's taken most of my attention right now. That's very yeah. cool. That's, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's fun having a, a partner that is also super into music and getting to explore that with them. It is fun. We've been... Funnily enough, we're both very like kind of private and introverted about creating music. Um, we've been together for over a decade now and married for over seven years. And this last probably year and specifically with after all this time has been the first time that we've actually like felt kind of comfortable working together. And he co-wrote some of the stuff on after all this time and helped me a lot with like the production vision of it. So it's really cool to finally be like, okay, we could do a project together. We could yeah. do a band. This could work. That's cool. <laughs> and breaking down like those boundaries within the relationship, I'm sure is very cool. Yeah. And, and also just to have somebody else who gets it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of like what you were mentioning earlier about communication and putting a record together and that's just something that in general has always given me anxiety and it's so nice to have, you know, like you said, a partner around who's, um, you can actually feel comfortable fully. I can feel comfortable fully expressing what I want, what's working, what's not working. And he kind of helps me put some, some more language around it and makes me feel like, okay, you agree with me. So that's good. <laughs> At least one person does. Maybe I can, maybe I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah. It's important to have that validation, I think. <laughs> yes. You validation. Know? And, uh, um, I think it's also just cool to have somebody that understands maybe the time commitment at, at times, like what it takes, you know, sure. putting a record together or even putting together a big show and realizing how important it is to have that time to like grind things out with the band or even yeah. just maybe being, being inspired and, and just being like, Hey, I need to go do this thing for a little bit. And I just need to like yes. be quiet or go do your own thing. I need, I have to go do this. Yep. <laughs> As life goes on, I'm like, 
realizing that musicians can kind of be like the worst partners in the world <laughs> in a lot of ways because of that stuff. It's like, I need to be alone. I need to take a lot of time for my craft. I'm actually not going to make money. In fact, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars <laughs> on this new music gear and just love me through it, you know, just love me. <laughs> so now we both do that to each other and somehow it works. That's right. <laughs> Um, I will put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow along with your tunes. Sweet. Um, do you have any shows coming up? I don't have anything on the books right now, but um, definitely will be in early 2020 and beyond, hopefully getting out on the road for some West Coast touring. Sweet. Well, definitely have some people that listen outside of this uh, fine city of Portland, Oregon. Okay. So, uh, like I said, I'll put the links in the episode notes so people can follow you if they dig what they hear and um yeah i would just encourage people to check out your record for sure and, and go back through the catalog you know go deep there's 10 years of music to to check <laughs> That's out right. here. <laughs> <laughs> baby emo holly go get it <laughs> we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we can get the holly and it's a program we can properly sail this thing out it's a program oh you nailed it some great energy there. <laughs> um, that's it, everybody. That's that's Holly Ann. That's uh, episode um, 192, wow. I believe, is uh, where this is going to lie. And uh, we're going to play it out with uh, one of my favorite jams on the record, which is also the last song on the record. And it is called I Still Want You. And that is it, everybody. That's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. It's true
It's a program.